4: morning. I'm Kevin Walsh, joined by Donnie Wrightside. So Lots to get to over these two hours. DRS, how are you feeling?
5: I'm feeling good, man. What a weekend and what a few days of sports we have on the horizon. Kevin, bowl season starts tomorrow. NFL game tonight. Saturday, triple header slate. Huge college basketball slate. NBA and NFL Sunday? Is there enough time? We'll find out.
4: Impressively there, you left out the World Cup final, which is now set as France advanced past Morocco in a dominant fashion, 2-0, got on the score sheet early and never looked bad. So now the World Cup final is set. It's going to be France against Argentina on Sunday.
5: For the common man tuning into the World Cup, this is exactly what you wanted here. And we're seeing big ratings across the globe here, particularly in the United States. And it will continue, Kevin, because on Sunday, a 10 a.m. start to the match. Fantastic. Two giants going head to head. Who's not in on this? It's great stuff.
4: France minus 110 to advance, Argentina minus 106. Arguably the closest final we could have been offered up, and that's exactly what we have here. Excited to break it down and talk about it. Tonight, Thursday Night Football, will be taking center stage, and Brock Purdy's status for the game is questionable, though all signs point to him being available tonight for San Francisco.
5: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. We're going to break this down quite a few times today on the early line. And what I thought would be an under game looks like it might be trending that direction due to some key injuries in this game.
4: We also got some updates out of the NFC West involving the Arizona Cardinals. as Steve Kime has to take a leave of absence due to some health issues here. Only, I think, further throwing things in Arizona in disarray uh, an unfortunate situation and again arizona's season continues to be a rocky one
5: yeah interesting to say the least here now granted he probably does have some health issues that he has to take away from but also coming at this time when you're right there's a lot of turmoil coming in arizona and quite frankly the gm job might have been up for grabs anyway whether he stepped away or not we'll find out what happens but certainly if anybody is going to be the new gm in arizona I don't wish that on anybody. That's a lot of headaches over the next year and a half.
4: We'll uh, follow uh, with that and any relevant updates will certainly get your way. Last night, the NBA had a ton of games in action. I think the most noteworthy game came between the Golden State Warriors and the Indiana Pacers. The Warriors opting to not bench all of their stars. And, all that led to was a 20-point halftime deficit. Steph, Scur- Steph Curry scoring 38 points, chipping in uh, another seven rebounds and seven assists, and then leaving early with a shoulder injury in this basketball game as the Warriors now are
5: 2-13 and 13 on the road. Yeah, two and thirteen on the road, Kevin. I do believe still four more road games to go on this swing here before Christmas Day. And if you're gonna lose Steph, who I believe is getting an MRI in Philadelphia before their game, if he's out for any extended period of time, talking about just the next week and a half. I mean, what are we looking at here? Two and like sixteen, two and seventeen? Say it ain't so. We'll talk
4: a little bit more about that upcoming schedule if the Warriors can survive. Without Steph Curry, I think this was maybe the most damning game of this road run that this team has been on. Credit to the Indiana Pacers as this team still playing some very good basketball. Uh, we also saw Damian Lillard continue his hot run last night, going up against the San Antonio Spurs. 37 points, eight assists, seven made threes in this basketball game. As our radio audience enters the fold tier. the early line Sirius XM. Channel 159, Dame Donnie, still red hot.
5: Yes, yeah, so somebody help me out here. Is uh 11 three-pointers followed up by seven three-pointers, which is 18 three-pointers over the past two games. And, oh, yeah, the game he had 11 three-point shots made. He didn't even play in the fourth quarter. It's always mm-hmm. Dame time here, Kevin. Uh, Dame is averaging a smooth
4: 34.4 points per game since returning back to action in the month of December here over these last five games. Uh, Playing at Really, what is an MVP level? Now, that's a five-game sample size, but still noteworthy to see how uh, important Damian Lillard is to this Portland Trailblazer basketball team. Last night, college basketball had a big game, ranked-ranked action between Maryland and UCLA, a pair of top 20 teams, and an 87-60 to 60 final score even might be a little bit misleading. This was UCLA
5: early and all the way until the close. Yeah, send the people home early there from the gym. Why? Because Maryland was the home team. But if you settled in late, a 49 to 20 lead for the UCLA Bruins over Maryland. And it was an easy cruise in the second half, 87 to 60 final. It's one of those games where you anticipated a very good matchup as Maryland was a slight favorite. My goodness, did the odds makers get this one wrong? UCLA cruised. A
4: 38 point lead at one point in this game. They shot five of 12 from three. Which is just an odd thing to me. Usually when a team runs like this, you would think they were lighting it up from beyond the arc. It's like, ah, we don't even need that, actually, here for tonight's game. Uh, In Major League Baseball, the offseason news continues to pour in. This one here around the Los Angeles Dodgers, though, it makes me feel like maybe they've lost their mojo here. Big names, (laughs) $100 million contracts flying around. They bring in Noah Syndergaard, who's going to be, what, a long reliever out of the bullpen there. Still a big name, I guess.
5: Hey, save some money out there in L.A. Times are tough here all of a sudden for a couple franchises. But, yes, it's a decent signing. But it's looking for a reinvigorated career for Syndergaard. But what are the Dodgers getting out of this? Who knows?
4: i just, you know, the Giants 350 million Correa's way. The Padres are, the Padres are trying to pay people $400 million.
3: Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 seven. As our team covers the most important topics in sports, wagering real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more want the edge. Then get on the grid SportsGrid.com.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh,
1: Welcome back into the early line right here on Sports Grid as
4: live with you on a Thursday morning. And last night, the NBA again—it was a big slate here, but the most important game involved the Golden State Warriors and the Indiana Pacers. About a—I don't know—six weeks ago, maybe even longer. The Golden State Warriors got off to a slow start. With a little panic meter around them, and some of the bigger teams in the NBA. The Lakers at the time were two and ten. The Brooklyn Nets had one star, it's seemingly on the verge of requesting a trade, another star who was suspended, and another star that apparently the organization was growing frustrated with. Those felt concerning. Golden State slow out of the starting blocks there. Not much about anything, right? It's early. It's fine. Well, now it's the middle of December, and it's the same. The Golden State Warriors feel like a one-man show. Steph Curry is arguably having the best season of his career. And this is someone that's won a unanimous MVP. But the numbers have been phenomenal for Steph this season. Though maybe slowing down a little bit here in the month of December. But averaging 30 points per game. And nearly pairing that with 7 rebounds and 7 assists on a nightly basis. And again you saw that all on display last night against the Indiana Pacers. And you saw that it hardly made a difference. They were maybe making a push there in the third quarter for a big comeback, but they shouldn't be needing big comebacks against the Indiana Pacers. If they're going to run Steph and Draymond and uh, these guys out there on a back-to-back, it says they want this game. They know they're capable of winning this game, and they feel as if for their own personal momentum, they had to have it, and they didn't have it. And then Draymond got ejected because, of course, Draymond got ejected. And the Warriors now, Donnie, 29 games into this season are under five hundred. It's not, hey, is Golden State going to miss the postseason? That's not how we judge them. And if they do, then, boy, that'll be some conversation. But this was a team that, after winning the NBA Finals, were favored to repeat as NBA champions. An ugly offseason, sure, fine, but they still had top-five title odds throughout, and still do, by the way. This doesn't look like a top-five team in the NBA, and at what point do we take what they've given us through 29 games and say,
5: maybe this is who you are? Uh, It's a good point you bring up here. There's a lot of bad teams in the NBA, but hold on. Golden State Warriors just might be one of those, and it sounds crazy to talk that way because when you talk about the Warriors and how many superstars, Kevin, they have on their basketball team, it's one of those teams where you can play a team like the Pacers on the road and show up with half of a lineup. And most of the betting public will say, Yeah, the warriors win this game. It's not even gonna be an issue here. But the fact that they're two and thirteen on the road, we're gonna talk about their upcoming schedule in just a moment but that doesn't make any sense. Like that's not a superstar laden team that can just, you know, go out there with a half of an effort and beat down some of these teams. He didn't go on the road with a half style here and say, okay, well, what do you want us to do against the Milwaukee Bucks? Or even if we go play the Toronto Raptors or the Miami heat, Hey, you can't go out there with a half of a lineup and expect to do well, but teams like the Pacers, you're supposed to put away anyway, even on a back to back Steph Curry had 38 points in the third quarter. Didn't play in the fourth quarter due to that injury. But even having said that, What are we looking at from the Warriors moving forward? Because quite frankly, a championship team where I know it's the NBA season, I know it's long, even you know me. I say the game, the season doesn't really start or nobody pays attention to it anyway until Christmas Day, and then that's the kickoff for the season. But honestly, even joking about it yesterday, realistically, Kevin, looking at them right now, they played 15 road games. They've won two of them. So if we're trying to extrapolate on the entire season, think about this though, Kevin. Are we headed for a seven or six win road team? For the season? For the Warriors? It doesn't even compute. They are way too talented. As I keep getting back to the point here, they should be able to play at half effort and handle their business with a 500 number on the road. They're getting decimated every single night and it's not going to be any better because if you get bad news on Steph Curry's shoulder, are we looking at one of those Warriors teams that goes, hey, you know what? If Steph, let's just say worst case scenario out for the year are we drafting number two overall again number three number one with ping pong balls I mean is that where we're headed I, I I chuckle
4: because the answer to that is yes by the way like all of a sudden like draymond is gonna request a trade and clay's gonna shut it down at for one the point later if night. that yeah I mean oh, so she had a nice game I guess like up my goodness he... He was, he was getting after it, Draymond. I didn't oh, re- but yeah, he had I a 1-2-3 game he last fire. night.
5: You like that stat? stat. 1.2 assists, three boards. 1-2-3, Draymond. Man. There you go. Put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, the
4: 1-2-3 kid, Draymond Green. Uh, Man. Look, take a look at uh-huh. these upcoming games for the Golden State for the Golden State Warriors. At Philadelphia, at Toronto, mm-hmm. at the Knicks, second leg of a back-to-back yeah. at Brooklyn. They then get a little bit of a break, and they'll play the Memphis Grizzlies at home on Christmas. I am sure the Warriors and the NBA would love to make sure that Steph is back for that basketball game. But if Steph is out for any of those games, they will be an underdog in those games. But let's Mm -hmm. remove the Memphis one almost for a moment here. I'm not sure they're favored in any of these games with Steph Curry with the way things are going. Who's laying two points in Philly with the Warriors just because Steph is there? Who's laying points in Brooklyn because Steph is there? Not me. Based on, mm-hmm. based on what we're watching here, I wouldn't be doing that. So that's what I'm talking about, the shifting of expectations around the Golden State Warriors. This is, I know, that. oh, hey, look, we didn't have Andrew Wiggins last night. Oh, we didn't have Klay Thompson. I, I, I understand all of that. They were down 20-plus points. They were a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They were down 20-plus points at the break. That is not an acceptable outcome here for the Golden State Warriors. And I've I've said this a number of times, and I will say it again. They have young pieces that they could push to the center of the table if they want to try and put themselves in a better position to win this season. But I don't know if they're actually interested in doing that. I think they're hoping that what they have this year is enough. And I'm sure some people will say it is enough. They just beat Boston on a Saturday, right? Well... That's great and all, but I'm pretty sure that the Golden State Warriors can't have a 29 game season, okay? Win one game against the Boston Celtics at home, and we go, oh, never mind. They're still (laughs) title favorites. That's not how this works, okay? Again, especially when this is a group that's right now sitting in the 10th spot in the Western Conference, much less the 10th spot within the NBA. I just wonder if at any point in year Golden State starts to push in. It was a packed slate last night. A lot of big results there. The New York Knicks grabbed an overtime win over the Chicago Bulls. Tyler Hero was phenomenal against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 35 points, nine made threes. And a game winner. LaMelo Ball returned for the Charlotte Hornets, and that was still a losing effort, as that is one of the worst teams in the NBA, sitting at 7-21. and 21. Did anything else from last night's NBA slate, Donnie, catch your attention, results of player performance?
5: Yeah, by the way, a nice result there for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kevin, 105-90 to 90 victory over the Mavericks here. And that's one of those games where Lucas scores 30 points, but he needs to score 50 because nobody else certainly was helping him out. But also, I do want to bring up where you take a look at the Golden State Warriors, right? Think about this, though. They're going to be, with all likelihood, Kevin, 2-17 and 17 on the road by the time they get home for Christmas. They do have a scheduling quirk that says after they play the Nets, which I believe is on the 21st, that they won't play another road game until mid-January, so maybe a chance to get right there. But also, I know we're going to talk about the Clippers and the T-Wolves coming up here, and it's one of those things where we say to ourselves, it's a long season. As long as a few certain individuals hmm. show up to play each and every night, some of these teams are going to be hell on wheels, and that just might be the Clippers at this point.
4: That was, to me, the takeaway again. So Kawhi plays his 10th game of the season. They are 8-2 when Kawhi plays. And last (laughs) night on the broadcast, they started letting us all know they win at a 72% clip when Kawhi and PG play. They're 8-2 on the seat. What don't you understand? He's played 10 games. He's played 10 games. He has missed over a third of the season for the Los Angeles Clippers, or about a third of the season. Stop when you hear, oh, man, they're 8-2 with Kawhi. This is going to be great. The takeaway should not be an 80% win percentage. It's that when we get to the playoffs and they play the Dallas Mavericks in the first round, you can almost feels like guarantee Kawhi won't be there or Paul George won't mm. be there or maybe neither one of them be there.
1: Seahawks Niners
4: tonight is a big game in the NFC race, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to talk about the offensive rookie of the year race as well, because it will, I think, tonight. I think tonight's game will factor in Kenneth Walker removed from the injury report, and if he has a big game, you could see things start to shift. This was an award, though, at one point, actually, we saw Kenneth Walker move to a minus favorite for, and the player closest to him was Damian Pierce. Well, Damian Pierce is now 33 to 1 due to some bad games being on the Texans and now being injured. But Kenneth Walker's no longer the favorite. Garrett Wilson plus 170. Kenneth Walker's 3 to 1. Christian Watson is plus 330. Chris Olave is plus 420. Everybody else is 20 to 1 or longer. So let's start with just the fact that Garrett Wilson is the favorite here, DRS. Is that something that you agree with as we head into week 15?
5: It looks like here, when we take a look at the guys we're going to talk about, right? Walker, Wilson, uh, Watson, and Olave, it seems clear to me that you are getting a bump from what your football team is doing. Kevin, you hear me talk about it all the time, even in the MVP markets. Give me a little extra credit. Well, well, this guy plays well. Their team A might make the playoffs, or B be the best overall team in the NFL. Like we talk about Jalen Hurts, you do get props for that. And it looks like we're giving a little bit of props for that here in the offensive rookie of the year market as well. Take a look at Garrett Wilson. Hey, if he plays well. The team plays well. They could make the playoffs. are still in the hunt. Kenneth Walker, the same thing. Still in the playoff hunt. He's got a couple games left. If he can play well, he's going to get a bump from that. Watson at plus three thirty is coming on as of late, and then Olave at four twenty, who's having a great year, but nobody really cares when your team has like you know three wins or four wins on the season at this point so if we're starting right at the top i do believe garrett wilson because also kevin the betting markets are smart, and they say, okay, we know what you've done for us lately, but how can this improve later in the season? Number one, the Jets can make the playoffs, which is great, and number two, it looks like you have a quarterback in Mike White who's more adept to delivering the football and getting it into Garrett Wilson's hands. If we take a look at Wilson, last six games, take because also, that matters. What you did in September, okay, which is why we take a look at Damian Pierce at a 33 to 1 now. It's what have you done for me lately? Wilson? last six games, 92 yards receiving, only Two touchdowns, but that also includes a game, Kevin, where he only had 12 yards. So put up those other five games. He's doing really well. And it looks like that's going to continue. And also with the Jets in the playoff race, that plus 170, as he's the leader in the clubhouse right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook. I do agree with it.
4: I think that Garrett Wilson being the favorite is very reasonable because he's building up a lot of momentum, right? He's starting mm-hmm. to play his best football now. And the Jets are in the mix in terms of the playoff hunt, no doubt about it. But none of these guys are locks to make – well, two of them are definitely not making the postseason, right? Christian Watson and Chris Olave. But the Seahawks or the Jets are not locks to make the playoffs. No. Here's the interesting thing with Garrett Wilson. I'm going to take your sample size and I'm going to limit it down a little bit more, right? So he averages 66.8 yards per game overall. With Mike White and Joe Flacco, it's 91.5 yards per game. With Zach Wilson, 45.5. He has caught zero touchdown passes this season from Zach Wilson, which is almost impossible considering that the majority of his games this year were with Zach Wilson. Where this all to me is very relevant is if Mike White's healthy enough to finish out this year, Donnie, because if Zach Wilson comes back in, all of a sudden now I worry about the Jets' playoff chances and I worry about Garrett Wilson's production in a major way. I don't have a beef with Garrett Wilson being the favorite, but I don't know if I want to bet him at that price. We might as well stick with the other wide receivers then because we'll get to mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker in a moment. Watson and Olave are fascinating. Olave only trails Garrett Wilson by three receptions on the year, has 19 more receiving yards, one less touchdown. He has played one less game. But do you think the Chris Olave thing is as simple as he's just not the playing in important games
5: so he's not going to be a part of the conversation? You're right, because there's no reason to believe that he should be down at that plus 420 level at FanDuel, because you're right about it. You, You hit the key notes here. Olave on the season, 887 yards. He's going to be a thousand yard receiver. Let's also keep in mind. It's not as if Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback. You've basically had Andy Dalton the whole year. And the thing I love about being a rookie wide receiver is so many times, which is why Garrett Wilson gets a lot of props as well. And also the injuries down in New Orleans. He's the only guy still left standing. We thought coming into the season, at least I thought, right? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Michael Thomas? You're also going to have Olave now as a young rookie, Jarvis Landry. Oh, he'll play that third fiddle in here, and we'll see how he acclimates. Like, he was asked basically from day one with the injuries to be our number one wide receiver. Four games left in the season. Let's say he gets 50 yards a game. He's going to be over a 1,000 yards on the season on a bad quarterback football team with no expectations. But again, he's not going to get that extra credit. I guarantee you that the Saints had nine wins right now. He would probably be above Kenneth Walker fighting with Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson at this point. I just think he shoved a little bit to the background because there is something to say about you're a rookie. You're not playing in any pressure environments right now. Garrett Wilson is a rookie. He's in a pressure environment where they're trying to fight for a playoff position, and if he plays well down the stretch, you are going to get those bonus points.
4: Yeah, I think it's a really good point that if the Saints were even just in the hunt, it would feel a lot different. But they're not in the hunt. Christian Watson isn't in the hunt either, but he might still be an exception. The Packers play on Monday night against the Rams. You and I have always talked primetime opportunities make the difference. It's why, again, the Cowboys-Eagles game basically feels like it is going to be played for the MVP, right? It feels like the primetime game is a season almost, that
5: Cowboys-Eagles 425 match. D-P-O-Y, everything, yeah.
4: Christian Watson is, by the way, Christian Watson is tied with Kenneth Walker for the, lead in rookie touchdowns at nine he's basically only been relevant for a month he has eight touchdowns in his last four games with 89.8 total yards per game i'm factoring in his rushing because it's actually been a boost yes. here to the green bay packers uh, even though christian look he has half the number of yards of garrett wilson and chris Olave, reception's not even close but the touchdown numbers are big playing in primetime games Do you feel that Christian Watson could steal it here down the stretch?
5: No, I, I don't think he can. Now, I'm not saying that he could turn on the afterburners. And again, when nothing matters and he's finally healthy and showing out. But I need you there all year. Like, I can't give you extra credit for your team is out of the playoffs. There is no pressure. And now you're adding statistics here. I need you all the way through. Like, when I take a look at I think Olave would be a better option than Watson because he's been there the whole year, double the yards. Why? Because he was available here. I'm not giving you any bonus points because you're showing up late in the season after being injured for the first part. Also, I'm not even talking about just being injured, Kevin. We're watching games where Watson is wide open and the ball's hitting him in the face mask. Like, oh, man, I don't even know if this guy's going to be a pro wide receiver at this point coming from an FCF school. So I'm not giving him any points here. He is playing well. He might be a great wideout in the future, but I got to knock him down some points here in the rookie race just because you can't just tell him, like, oh, did you see how the last five games he played and how that was? Now, there's another guy out there that we'll talk about. He's going to get bonus Mm. points for only playing in about five or six games, but in a bigger picture at a different position.
4: Yeah, so I think the important thing you mentioned there with Watson – is he was actually, like, actively hurting this football team the first um, yes, he was. month of the season. Yes. He couldn't catch yes. the football. And he's been injured. I, the, now, I'll say this. If I had a vote, I could promise you that basically there's nothing Christian Watson could do to win the offensive rookie of the Correct. year. Correct. Same of Donnie. But we don't vote. So if he scores two touchdowns on Monday night and a win against the Rams, his odds will grow shorter. Even though I don't really think they should. I don't really care if he finishes with 12 total touchdowns. He was a bad football player to start his career. You mentioned another guy, which again brings us to tonight's game. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about this, but you, we've, Donnie and I have been doing this a long time. I can make a comfortable assumption what he's talking about here. Brock Purdy's 20 to 1. Kenneth Walker's 3 to 1. I'll make mm-hmm. this point quickly on Kenneth Walker, and I'll let you handle the Brock Purdy uh, business side of this year. I think Kenneth Walker's the bet at 3-1. to He's really only played six full games this season, and he's been completely dominant in all of them. Again, the nine touchdowns is near the top of the leaderboard in the entire NFL, much less rookies. I think tonight he will have to have a nice game here against the San Francisco 49ers, and I feel like right now the Seattle Seahawks have as good a chance as the New York Jets to make the playoffs, and Seattle gets to play the Jets head-to-head at home. That might be the game that they label. This is for offensive rookie of the year, and I'll trust Kenneth Walker's chances a little bit more in that game. Brock Purdy, 20-1. to He's played two football games.
5: Is there actual juice to that number? there is juice to that number and they're the ones that you try to go down the board and say if everything happens here what is actually going to take place because i love that you bring up kenneth walker because he has lost some steam but he has nine rushing touchdowns about 650 yards on the year there's still an outside chance kevin he's a thousand yard running back here with about 13 or 14 touchdowns and you know where that starts tonight here where you can get a bump brock purdy at 20 to 1 wins tonight he's starting to move rapidly up that board Brock Purdy loses tonight because Kenneth Walker had 19 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown in a Seattle win. He then goes to the favorite over Garrett Wilson. There's a lot of things changing up. It's an interesting market all the way through, but we talk about the referendum games. This will be one tonight on Offensive Rookie of the Year.
4: I'll just look. Brock Purdy is more important than any of these players. Yes. You cannot win offensive rookie of the year for six games. That's I, I uh-huh. that would be very, very disappointing.
3: SportsGrid.com. betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 seven. As our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more want the edge. Then get on the grid Sportsgrid.com.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh,
4: Back right here on Sports Group. Tonight's game, again, we, we mentioned the implications that it could potentially have within the race for Offensive Rookie of the Year. The more important uh, market, I think, for a lot of people is what this means for the state of the NFC's Wild Card race. The San Francisco 49ers have seemingly wrapped up this division, I think, with a win tonight that will basically cement their spot as the top of the NFC West. A loss could make things interesting though. It, it, it absolutely could move things around here a little bit. Because then Seattle's only has one loss in division. It would put the Niners at the same exact divisional record. But again the Niners are favored. And even still the schedules looking out. Suggested this will be the Niners division. The odds tell us that. Which means then that there are two wild card spots remaining for four teams. Because I'm not putting the Dallas Cowboys in the same conversation as the rest of these teams. Because that's slanderous and they don't belong in that conversation. So 6-7 and in the NFC is likely to be occupied by either the Commanders, the Giants, the Seahawks, the Lions. Two of those four likely for those two spots here. And... I don't know where to begin, Donnie, because, again, there's a lot to take in when it comes to these football teams. And I don't want to just straight tell me which two that you like. So maybe we Mm -hmm. start with tonight's team in the Seattle Seahawks checking in at seven and six. How tonight's game factors in for you and where you see the value on this team with four games left on their schedule.
5: I think they're in a little bit of trouble. I do, but that trouble can be averted here tonight with a victory over the San Francisco 49ers sort of tilt some things in their favor. Now, if we take a look at the Seahawks and all these teams coming up here, right, Kevin, have four games left on the remaining schedule. The interesting ones will be the commanders and the giants because they tied and they also have a game against each other. But let's focus on the Seahawks and what makes some sense here. Next four games coming up tonight, San Francisco 49ers on the road against the chiefs, then two home games here against the jets and the Rams. So to keep it simple, here four games left three at home one on the road if we're breaking the schedule down tonight I actually don't think that they win tonight talking about the Seahawks so let's just say they lose to the Mm -hmm. 49ers now you as well as I know Chiefs may be the most talented team in the NFL along with the Philadelphia Eagles that's going to be hard if you're playing the Chiefs at home It would still be a tough game, but you're going to Arrowhead. And also keep in mind, the Chiefs need every game they can to try to steal one from the Buffalo Bills and take down that number one overall seed. I think that's going to be a loss. Then you have the Jets and the Rams at home. And to be honest, right now, if the Jets come in healthy, meaning that Mike White, whether or not he wins against the Detroit Lions, let's just say he plays decent football. He'll still be the starter in that football game, the final game against the Rams. If I'm looking at the schedule overall, I already went through it here, Kevin. They're going to beat the Rams to end the season. But you know what? I think that might be their only win left on their schedule because Mm. I'm just being honest. They're a good football team, the Seahawks. And I'm painting maybe a more rosy picture with the Jets when they come to town because, again, the Jets play in New York City. They're going to play in Seattle. That's 3,000 miles away with a heavy crowd noise and also knowing that the Seahawks also need that victory along with the Jets. But if I'm just looking right now based on game to game to game, I have them going one and three down the stretch, which leaves them at eight and nine on the season. That's not going to get it done.
4: they cert- they currently of these four teams have the second strongest odds at minus one thirty two to occupy one of the seven spots in the NFC. I really do think it all comes down to tonight. Incredibly enough. It does because i I can't see the win in Arrowhead at all. And then at that point there, it's as if things are starting to fall apart. This is a team that's now lost three of four with the one win being an unimpressive victory over the Los Angeles Rams with John Wofford at quarterback. You lose your next two here. You're going to be sat at seven and eight, having to run the table probably, and then you're going to need some help. Maybe they can get that help. You would think one of the commanders or the Giants are going to lose on Sunday night, Though, quite beautifully, we certainly can't promise that because they just did tie. And if you think tonight's game is important for the wild card race, Commanders-Giants is that multiplied by 10. The Commanders are the biggest favorite of this group to make it at minus 188. The Giants check in at a plus 110 price. I know Sunday's game is the difference maker. Where are you right now? Between the Giants and the commanders in this NFC wild card race.
5: Now, how about this? What if I told you if we combine these two teams and you say, Donnie, just told me what you think the Seahawks are going to be at eight and nine? How about this? Finishing the season for both of these ball clubs? Nine, seven, and one and nine, seven, and one. If you take a look at here at how this works out, the commanders for me, I have both of these teams going two and two down the stretch with two different ways that they're going to stumble into this, which a lot more, you know, cloudy conditions if you could say on those Giants. Let's start with the commanders here. Victories for me. I have them beating the Giants this weekend, which is going to be a huge victory because the previous game they played they tied. Now if you beat them, you're going to hold a de facto tiebreaker over them if you come into a tie situation, which I think is a really good look. I also have the commanders beating the Dallas Cowboys. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. The Cowboys smashed that football team. I get it. But this isn't the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to be playing in week six where every game matters. You end the season with the Dallas Cowboys? I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are playing for anything at that point. And granted, which would mean that there's no chance that they can get the bye. So you're telling me Jerry Jones not walking down the Michael McCarthy? hey, hey, you know I like Zeke Elliott. He's not playing. Tony Pollard, yeah, he's out. Dak Prescott, him either. C.D. Lamb, nope, not going to see that field. Michael Gallup, let's not test out that knee. Good luck beating a team who I still think will be playing for something here with the Commanders. Now, let's take a look at the other games that they have on the schedule. Going to the 49ers, let's say Purdy isn't injured here and plays. They're not going to beat the San Francisco 49ers, but I am giving them the benefit of the doubt in the second-to-last game of the year, which is at home. I do think the Cleveland Browns are going to beat them. So, benefit of doubt on the Browns not playing for anything, but maybe that's a tough spot. So theoretically, the commanders for me, Kevin, I have them two and two with a legitimate chance to actually be three and one. But we'll go with the benefit of the doubt two and two at this point here, nine, seven, and one for the commanders.
4: And the two and two might be enough for the commanders if as long as one of those is a victory over the New York Giants. The Giants yes, are currently kid. winless in the division. So if the Commanders get a second division win here, it has Mm -hmm. a good chance to basically bury the Giants in terms of tiebreakers. I guess also 1-0-1 is the same as 2-0. So they don't have the head-to-head tiebreaker there. The Commanders, I think, are rightfully the biggest favorite of this group here because of the chance that they get to potentially be playing an irrelevant Dallas Cowboys team. Though I do think Micah Parsons might go insane not being allowed to play, Especially if it's going to cost him the DPOY award, but too bad. It's more important you win in Tampa Bay the following week. I think the Commanders. what You say you think they're going to go two and two. It almost feels yes. like the floor. Now, similarly to what we just said with Seattle, mm-hmm. the Giants. They they yeah. have to beat the Giants because then all of a sudden it's because uh, then they're going to because here's the thing: if they lose to the Giants. They're going to run Heineke out there against the Niners, and if that game plays out the way most of these Niners games play out, Carson's going to put the cape on, and he's going to be starting against the Cleveland Browns, which would be tremendous, by the way, and we would absolutely love to see that. As far as the Giants go, you said you'd like them to go 2-2. Two and two. They feel like they're in a tough spot here against the Commanders, but this is the thing with the Giants, and... Maybe it's all fleeting. It's a 6-1 team that's now 7-5-1. and one. But the game against Washington, to me, is still winnable. They're going to go to Minnesota. Well, that's winnable. Look at every game Minnesota plays. Home against the Colts. They're actually going to be—I think they're going to be favored. It'll be less than a field goal, though, to be fair. But they should be favored in that football game. And we've talked about the ability to likely be playing against Gardner Minshew and Quez Watkins— in week Mm -hmm. 18 for the giants it's all winnable donnie the problem is so are all of these other games that were in front of them right the game against the lions they were a favorite the game against dallas they were up at half the game against washington was in their building they've had winnable football games and they've not been able to do it they are playing their worst football at the worst time but maybe the giants get enough help because seattle struggles the big worry is this is not a 3 team race. The Detroit Lions right now over the last month plus have been a top 10 team in the NFL. Their offense is shredding teams, their defense is starting to figure it out enough and the schedule might be there. They enter 6 and 7. Go through it for people, tell them what you see yeah. here in the final 4 weeks for the Detroit Lions who are currently sat at 6 and 7.
5: Yep, and quickly to double down that, by the way, the 2-2 two and two for the Giants, that's out of my affinity here, that my love for Brian Dable, because there's a really good chance they go 0-4 down the stretch if things don't break their way, like the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Then the Giants are going to get smoked in the last game of the season, which will probably knock them out of the playoffs. But let's get to the Detroit Lions here. Fascinating team, as you said, playing as well as anybody over the past month to month and a half in football here. Four games left. At the Jets, at the Panthers, home against the Bears, at the Packers. So again, not the greatest schedule here setting up because you'd rather have three home games versus you know three road games here at this point. But if we're looking right now, I actually have the Detroit Lions going on the road and losing to the New York Jets, which some would say would be devastating. They're probably going to get knocked out, and maybe so. But you know what? I have them beating the Panthers, beating the Bears, and the Green Bay Packers, winding up with a 9-8 and record, which technically, Kevin, still would leave them out. Because as I told you, if the Commanders and the Giants go 2-2 two and two down the stretch, the way I think it plays out, 9-7-1 and apiece, that tie is going to end up putting them in the playoffs and keeping the Lions out. This could all change here because the Lions are coming into it. So they're not 14 point dogs, seven point dogs, three point dogs. You're looking at roughly a pick them against the Jets. If they can beat the Jets, this will turn it around. But even a three and one down the stretch, I don't know if it's enough to get Detroit in. They're probably going to have to run the table. I don't think they can do that. But I do think there's a legitimate chance, Kevin, they can go three and one.
4: Yeah, I think the problem for the Lions is it's hard to overcome one and six. Yes. That's the- you're asking them to win out. And it's, it is incredible. but And we've seen this play out a number of times in, in previous NFL seasons. A team ties. And in the moment, you go, was that actually that bad? And the Giants and the Commanders really might have both been able to lock themselves into the playoffs because of a tie. By the way, if the NFC East sends all four teams, all four teams to the postseason – and while that's going on, the Eagles are the number one seed in football. And you are still sat there saying, who have they played? I think I'm going to lose my absolute mind. I think I'm going to lose my mind. Michael Parsons if they send saying, 100% we'll of their teams. Yeah. Oh, they really are.
5: It, I'll say for Detroit. He's the best part. Yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go no, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, like, Michael Parsons, like, the Eagles are going and shatter them on, like, you know, Christmas Eve, and he'll be yeah. like, man, pfft, number one hurts in that good, and they ain't even played anybody yet, knowing that they played you twice and beat you twice. Yeah. I need it. I love, I love the rivalry stoking back up here, by the way.
4: I, I also can't stress enough how happy I am that Michael Parsons got himself in trouble on a Von Miller podcast <laughs> before the Philadelphia. <laughs> by the way, with a game in between playing the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles... It has yes. been enjoyable. There was so much hype for that game, and we're guilty of it as well. We just did it yesterday. Everyone yeah. is treating it like that game is this weekend, like neither yes. like they're both on buys. You would almost imagine or something like that mm-hmm. going into the game. I, I just I, to quickly on this last point here on Detroit, the schedule is there. Boy, would it be tremendous. Aaron Rodgers lays out, yeah, Jordan Love, you got it. And then he goes, hold on a minute. We can eliminate the Detroit Lions in week eight.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,
4: Live right here in the mix on the early line. Just did a little NFC wild card look. Just kind of trying to peel through, see who's going to be in the mix. I think after this week's game, maybe sometime next week, we'll be able to peel through the AFC uh, playoff picture. But it is, if you look at it, DRS, again, just a quick glance for people here. It is pretty comparable where there's four teams vying for two spots. Cincinnati and Baltimore, one of them is going to win the division. One of them is going to obviously then occupy uh, one of the wild card spots. But it's the Jets and the Chargers right now losing out on tiebreakers with then the Dolphins and the Patriots slotting in at six and seven. Uh, The Dolphins are six. The Pats are currently seventh uh, in the wild card there. You can tell we still have a lot up for grabs right now in these wild card races.
5: Yes, we do. And the one thing, again, the team that everybody's going to glom onto, and I don't want to say rightfully so, but you're just trying to say, hey, who's been flying under the radar that might be a little bit of a menace in the playoffs? It's probably going to be the Chargers, Kevin. Last four games for them versus the Titans at home. The Titans look like a shell of what we thought they were going to be just maybe a few short weeks ago. Then they're going to take on the Colts on the road. Bad football team. The Rams at home. Bad football team. At the Broncos. Who even knows if Russ is playing in that game? There's a legitimate chance that after that Dolphins victory, they run the table out the rest of the season as one of Hey, nobody wants to face the Chargers, Kevin, in the playoffs.
4: They're actually a minus 170 favorite right now to make the playoffs. The Jets are plus 172. We don't have a price on the New England Patriots. We will talk more about the Pats and their game this weekend in our number two. I agree that the Chargers will be, if if they land seven, right, and then basically Bills Chiefs. The difference is either home field advantage, bye week, and and all that comes with that, and the loser has to play the Chargers, that definitely is a huge gap in what you're looking yeah. for there, but it's where we sit right now, again, in the AFC.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,